Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Game Rivals. I am your host, Maximilian X, coming to you live from the interwebs with my fellow co-host, Sean Templar. How are you doing, Sean Templar? I'm okay, I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay. I'm not... I mean, it's okay. I mean, we've had a busy week. Um, well, most of us have had a busy week. Well, you can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I mean, we just get we just got out of our first E three week coverage. Um, we weren't actually there, um, but I don't mind. How e- I don't know, but how E three works these days, you could probably cover a lot more games from home, especially certain things, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, over actually attending. I mean, actually attending means you actually get to play some of the games or all of the games that are playable, depending on if you have the appointments, of course. But at least from this perspective, it's an, it's an interesting look into E3 and the games that there were that were there, that were shown, um, either during one of the many press conferences or one of the many um, first impressions and hands-on from other uh, outlets. So, um, yeah, so... We're gonna start it off uh, as uh, as we normally do. We'd start it off with new, but this week we're just gonna go all our E three impressions, the games that uh, were interesting to us, that caught our eyes, what we were excited about, what we were disappointed about, um, what we're looking forward to in the next year that was announced at E three. Um, after which we're going to go to our regular spiel of what we've been playing, and we end off with, of course, our hidden gems, which is going to be fun. So, Sean Templar, what did you feel? How did you feel? Actually, that's that's actually a really good for a question. How did you feel about this year's E3 specifically? Pure disappointment. I just wanted to cry constantly on the inside. And but it's not because just... Sony wasn't there. It's actually because yeah, Sony right. wasn't there. They showed how bad it got. I mean, uh, I, I don't know where to start. I was really looking forward to this E3, but I just cried myself to sleep every night and hoped it would pass very quickly because, holy crap, I think this is one of the worst E3s I've ever had. Wow. I'm, I will say that I'm not as disappointed as you are, mostly because I got to see a lot of cool stuff that A, I didn't expect and B, I wanted to see more of, um, and the things that I did expect, I will admit, some of them left a more disappointing taste in my mouth afterwards. But I'm not as disappointed as you are. I mean, I, you 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 did feel like there was something missing from it all, um, with Sony not being there. It just felt, it just felt like there was some, it it you notice that the the presence of Sony was missing. Let me put it um, this way. 
It's like you're watching the Avengers and you're a huge Iron Man fan and Iron Man isn't in the movie at all. That's how I felt. And I'm a huge Iron Man fan. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could... That is one way. Let me just put it this way. You're watching an Avengers movie and your favorite uh, hero isn't there, whereas you've kind of been expecting it. You've kind of seen him in all the trailers. And then you start watching the movie and your favorite hero is either not there or he just shows up at the end and there's like a minute of dialogue and he just vanishes. And it's so disappointing. They're like, oh, okay, did I wait a year for this stuff? And now he just was there for like a minute and then he just poof and vanished. Uh, okay. That's kind of how I felt. <laughs> because let me, let me just put it this way. And a lot of outlets have been saying the same thing. I've been reading it online. The fact that Sony hasn't been here this year, and I'm not saying this as a Sony fan. This is just an, mm. an honest opinion because I like the Microsoft press conference is that you can notice the difference that Sony isn't there. So there, there weren't a lot of these, oh my God, announcements. Yeah, there were a few, but generally when you're watching the Sony press conference, besides the one they did last year, there were a lot of, oh my God, wow, press even moments. I remember the one when they did that with the Final Fantasy VII announcement and the Shenmue 3 announcement and the Last of Us footage and announcement. It was mm. all in one E3. It was constantly a bombardment. Getting your, keeping your heart rate at the highest level, and you're like, oh, okay, I don't know how they're going to surpass this. And then, boom, they show Ghost of Tsushima or uh, whatever, you know, or the E3 they did in 2013 when they first announced the PS4, and then they showed a lot of stuff there. Or the E3 they did with the orchestra when God of War there. That was those wow moments. And um, a lot of developers, a lot of publishers played it really, really safe this year. This is a gap year. I've been saying it multiple times. It's a gap year. I mean, EA played it ultra safe. I liked what they showed with oh, Battlefield. Yeah, EA played it super yeah, safe. Yeah, I, I like what they showed with Battlefield. I'm a huge Battlefield fan, as everybody knows by now. And I'm loving the way Jedi Fallen Order looks, but it's just the question of will they be able to, del- to deliver? Um, so far, it looks like they have everything checked and it's going to be an amazing game. Um, Microsoft had a good E3 press conference, but it was a safe press conference. Uh, it was the expected part. It was almost an, an exact copy of their Scar, um, of their Xbox One X press conference they did two years ago or three years ago when they first announced that thing. Yeah, it, three years ago. It's really safe, and and I do get them. But yeah, they had one of cool announcements such as the Game Pass Ultimate, and a little bit more info about XCloud, um, the Google Stadia press conference or Direct or Connect or whatever the hell they're calling it was a huge letdown because. A lot of people online are saying, okay, this is so confusing. I have no idea what this is going to be because what we heard in February does not match what we heard right now. It's the complete opposite. So I kind of feel screwed over there. Um, <laughs> but no, but here's the thing. with the, At least with the Google Stadia thing, it's not the fact that the event itself was bad. The event itself, or the digital event itself, was fine. Yeah, that's okay. the way it was structured was really good. Yeah, it's the messaging behind it and the messaging afterwards. It's so confusing. Is what brought on the confusion. Yeah. That's what it. That's what because brought that. Down. It literally contradicts what it what what, it, what they said in February. Exactly. Yeah. Because now so, I need well, to I, buy my games on Stadia as well. Get out of here. Well, here's the thing. It's not that it contradicted. It's just that the information wasn't there in February. They just gave us like 
little bits and morsels, basically the stuff that people want to hear. But they didn't do anything to counteract the messaging. They didn't say stuff like, hey, we're get, it's, let's, to be clear, it's not that Stadia is going to be a game subscription service and you're going to be playing our catalog. They didn't say stuff like that. They, no, they because they said that they were going to announce it at a later date. Yeah, but they because kind they... of dug their own hole with this and now they have to get out of the hole. And it's already a hole because it's Google, you know? They're already two, two points behind and now they're <laughs> 10 points behind. <laughs> but to be honest, because we're jumping here, but to be honest, the impressions mm -hmm. I've read and seen around Stadia are positive, even in a place as the LA Convention Center with difficult e uh, Wi-Fi and stuff like that. Um, Stadia performed well. Uh, Project xCloud from Microsoft also performed well. Um, well, with Project X xCloud, at a certain point, they had to switch some of their stations to a wired Ethernet connection. Yeah. So, I, to be honest, but, when that stuff comes out, I would want the to server play was it not at E3. Yeah, it was at least a data according center. to them, the server was the, it was a data center in. A um, it was a pretty big distance. Seattle, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, to be honest, when I do play something like that, I would want it over Ethernet because that's the most stable option. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that didn't, I think, the only thing that didn't demo was the. Um, the, the 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 console server thing with Microsoft. Yeah, that's I think the only thing that didn't demo there. But I'm assume I'm assuming it's basically the same as Remote Play. I think for, that's the um, easiest thing to pull off. I think it's good that they tried to show off the the server external server part. Let me put it that way because that's kind of where they have to prove themselves. I think the part about console streaming. I think they got that locked down, so they don't have to win people over with that. They have to show people like, hey, it, no matter where you are, if you have a reliable and fast connection, you can play this over uh, Wi-Fi or Ethernet. Yeah. And they kind of did pull that off. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to try it out myself, um, both, to see both self, but I guess with Stadia, we'll have, probably have to wait until November. And we can try um, next in October. That's out. Is there a beta for that? Something like that. I guess we could try it. Uh, do you know where? I mean, I'm assuming you know where to sign up. Is there like a website for that? They didn't announce any. I couldn't find anything around signing up. So I think it'll just the closer we get. Okay, to so then, we'll so then, so then it's basically something that we have to keep an eye out on. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. I will say this though. At least. In terms of the, the the press conferences, it literally was it came in waves because we started off. Um, well, I'm not gonna count EA with this because they technically did not have a press conference. Um, let's start with Microsoft. So Microsoft, for the most part, was a decent press conference. Then we got Bethesda, which which just completely ruined it all. The only saving, like the only real saving grace for Bethesda was um, the director for, uh, what is it called again? Ghosts? The game set in Tokyo, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Was it Ghostwire Tokyo? Something like I that. I think so. Yeah. Like yeah, the director for that game from... Uh, you mean the creative from, director? Yeah. Yeah, she was really cool. She was really cool. Yeah. That, was it? Um, 
that ah, damn it, I forgot her name. Um, but yeah, she was really cool. Her Twitter blew up, by the way. Yeah. People were so enamored by her. Oh, her cool. Twitter, her Twitter account just exploded in followers and in fan art with with her on it, and she's like so overwhelmed by it and just very grateful for it. It's like there's a lot of adorable fan art of her. Yeah, that's cool to see. She, she yeah. really did, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is really fun. You know, she was genuine. Yeah. And she was funny. Well, I'm I'm curious about the the game. That I mean the concept trailer looked interesting enough. That's another thing. There um, were a lot of CG trailers to see. Through. Oh, there were a lot of concept trailers. Yeah, that was that was you really that uh, I, that coupled with the fact that a lot of the games are 2020 slated. Yeah, is is it was a really telling thing this year. You know, so yeah, it, 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 it was well. a it was a gap year for them though. The thing that worries me about the fact that they were in a gap year is that if the next gen consoles come out next year, which is probably going to happen, is that a lot of those games that are going to come out in the early part of the year will probably get a re-release on that next gen console, and then it'll be one of those versions that actually doesn't utilize the hardware, so it'll, it'll be a little bit more sharper or a little bit more better textures because. I remember with Assassin's Creed Black Flag when it came out, and it came out the same year the PS4 came out. It mm. was a li- it looked a little bit better on the PS4, but it wasn't that huge of a difference, you know. And I'm afraid that we're still gonna have to wait at least two years to be able to see games that take potential uh, or they utilize the power we get in those new consoles besides the first party games, because. Yeah, I have. I hope. I'm hoping that Guerrilla is gonna pull off something cool stuff and come up with a Horizon Zero Dawn two for the launch of the PS5. Because that would be so. Amazing. Actually, do we know what they're working on? I think it's like, it's almost confirmed that they're working on Horizon Zero Dawn two. For the PlayStation Five. I uh, I think so. I don't know so, but I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like we should be uh, stalking some canals in Amsterdam and hopefully, uh, and hopefully bump into one of the Guerrilla Games guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then be jumped by Sony Ninja. Quick side note. I did bump into Hermann Hulst a couple of years ago. Really? At the, yeah, at the launch of the Switch. What? Yeah, he, he came into the same uh, game store. I'm not going to mention the game store. But he came into the same game store, and he was there to pick up his... Switch. Am I saying that? He was... I think he was either there to pick up his copy of his Switch or his copy of Zelda. I one of the two. spoke to him a couple of months ago. Oh, no, not a couple of months ago. It was the same year. It was a couple of months before Horizon Zero Dawn came out. So it was almost two years ago. And I said, hey, man... Um, you're Herman Hills, right? The the the, the studio head of uh, Guerrilla Games. Said, yep, that's me. I'm really looking forward to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. It really looks cool. And then he gave me one of those gamer responses or stuff like that because it really felt. Like he said something like, "Well, and I can't wait get to get back to the studio and finish that game." And I thought, <laughs> um, "I'm not a little kid, man. I'm just." giving you a compliment around your game, which you were probably really proud of. And it's cool that you listen to me, but it's kind of strange that you treat me like I'm some little kid slash fan. I mean, I can't get it from his point of view. I'm just trying to 
you know, give the guy some recognition. Yeah, but where was this? At a place that I cannot disclose. Okay. So then... It was not a game event or something like that. Yeah, but I'm assuming that if you just ran into him and you're not someone that he knows or knows from like an outlet or anything, then he's going to give a canned response just in case he doesn't mess up and say and spoil something about the game. If he would have said stuff like, oh, cool, man, thanks, to, thanks, or oh, man, good to hear that. I think you'll really like it or, you know, something like that. But the way that he said, or maybe he I was really looking forward to, to going back. And I can't wait to get back to the studio to finish the game. Like, well, okay, that's super awkward that you would talk to me like that. Because <laughs> I can't, if I talk like this for the whole podcast, people would switch it off in two minutes because I can't wait to finish this podcast. <laughs> Oh, um, well, I, I don't hope he listens to this because then I, we, I might have ruined our only chance of doing an interview with him ever. No, nah, but, 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 but he was cool with me. So maybe he won't talk to you anymore, but he'll definitely talk to me. Oh. <laughs> well, well, I'll eat my shoe the day he does an interview with you and doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> oh, a little FYI. Um, the developer was called uh, Ikumi Nakamura. Hmm. Yeah. Totally adorable, by the way. Totes. I have the idea that Nakamura is one of those De Vries or Janse last names that we have in Dutch. Nakamura is like, I feel like it's one of those. Maybe? I'm not sure. I mean, it, it is something that semi is, you see her often. I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it is. I have no idea. Um. Yeah. So... Yeah, no Sony. Still weird. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that they'll be back gonna, next year, though. I, I'm kind of hoping that they're going to do a PlayStation experience this year. They didn't do one last year. Because that would be awesome if they did a PlayStation experience. Generally, PlayStation experience is in November, December. So that would be cool if they did one this year and then go all out yeah. with PlayStation info. Like PS5. Yeah, but as I... I don't know. I mean, I've said it before that... It, Considering that this is a in-between year, I don't think they're going to waste the effort with that. I think they're going to focus on the state of plays for this yeah, year. Think about it. If they did the PlayStation experience in December, they go out with some info around PS5, kind of like what they did with the PS4 event in February of that year. Meaning you have six months before E3 is, is around the corner. So you'll have people talking around about your PlayStation for six months, a minimum. And people will actually have seen stuff, so the anticipation will build. Then at E3, you either show the console or you do it before that, you announce pricing and you give games a release date and you show your future portfolio. Then the buzz increases even more. And then holiday, you announce your release date and then your holiday season is building up and people are getting even more excited. I think that would be a grand slam or a home run or whatever you want to call it. Six months is way too big of a lead up. It's way too big. No, but... Uh, you know, it's in the in the between those six months, they'll probably do state of place as well. But like, yeah, but they need to start this hype machine this year. Uh, I didn't catch that. Okay, that's strange. <laughs> Suddenly, my Siri started talking to me. Thanks, Siri. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, Siri wanted to chime in. <laughs> uh, maybe you should ask her uh, what she thought of E three. <laughs> no, not not that actually. I'm not asking you to do that right now. No, you want to know what Siri is saying? Because I can. 
She'll probably nah, say, man, I don't all... know what you're talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um, games that caught your eye. Um, 12 Minutes is one I'm really looking forward to. The one announced by Microsoft, the interactive thriller that really looked cool. You have to start with the one that makes me wet myself. Yeah, that one really looked cool. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, I'm really looking forward to that one because it really looks like an evolution of Wildlands because Wildlands was mm. this open world uh, tactical shooter and now it looks like there. I saw some gameplay some, and walkthroughs and it looks like there's far more RPG mechanics in there and, and they've deepened out the systems. For example, when you're resting, you can craft items such as syringes and stuff like that, but you can also uh, uh, do stuff with your weapons like clean barrels or it looked like something like that, clean barrels or, or make some minor adjustments to your weapons which give you bonus stats such as plus five accuracy and stuff like that. So it looks like there's a bit more depth behind the mechanics instead of just go in there and kill them all. Um, Watch Dogs Legion looked really nice. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one. And right. um, you're also looking forward to the mechanical spiders. Yeah, I hate this. <laughs> uh, but we are all looking forward to playing as a granny who just walks up to a dude and shoots them in the face. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Wearing a creepy clown's mask. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is looking really cool. Um, same, same. I'm really looking forward to the battlefield improvements that's coming out between now and the fall because they've announced their roadmap again and they're kind of going to gradually bring out more content, such as new maps. And then in the fall, we're finally getting the Pacific Theater, which is going to be so awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Am I forgetting something? I'm thinking uh, it was cool to see that Nintendo announced the Breath of the Wild sequel. But you'll probably talk yes. about that a lot more in the, in a bit. Um, it was cool to see that Square Enix announced the Final Fantasy VIII remake. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Not a big fan. I will say this: not a big fan of Final Fantasy VIII. Love the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. The gameplay, however, mm, it's the first Final Fantasy game I played, so I'm looking forward to it. It's an I will say this. It's an acquired taste, and that's that's all I'm gonna say about the battles mechanics of Final Fantasy. Okay. It's an acquired taste. Yeah, I saw some screenshots yeah. around how the remastered version looks compared to the old it's version. Clean. It really looks it's nice. Really There's clean. some definitely yeah. visible improvement there. Um, uh, yeah. The Anything else? Microsoft press conference. I'm thinking of stuff I saw there, but I'm not a huge Gears of War fan, so I'm not really done. And I'm. I'm also not a very big Halo fan, even though Halo is... None of the indie fan. titles uh, tickled your fancy? I'm not... Yeah, I have a really specific indie taste. So there wasn't really anything there to think. The Horizon, uh, the Forza Horizon Lego stuff really looked uh, cool. Um, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga looked fun. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Apparently, they are changing a lot of stuff. It's not just a rehash of the games that came out previously. Oh, that's nice. They're actually changing how it 
play. So, yeah, because it's all nine nine movies. Yeah, because eight did not like the last Jedi did not get a Lego game. Yeah, and so probably, that that's getting one for the first time in this bundle. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to see how that plays. I think they're also not including the voice clips from the movies, so they're going back to pantomiming again, mm-hmm. which is honestly I prefer it that works better for because these kind of games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, of course, Cyberpunk 2077 looks cool. But, you know, that game impressed a lot of people last year. And a lot of the stuff that I read and saw is that, of course, people are excited for Cyberpunk 2077. It just didn't have the impact it had last year. Uh, but it's more of what they... It's it, it's, a, it's a thing uh, around like, okay, we're, we know this game is coming. We know it's going to be amazing. We want to see more. And now we just want it to be over and we want to actually play the game. Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those many. It's one of those many games that got honestly announced way too early. Yeah, um, and maybe also got shown a little bit too early. But they kind of put themselves in that position because, again, they announced it too early. Um, I will say this though. Um, here's the thing. So. Of all the things that were, like, with Nintendo aside, of all the things that, for me, was the most interesting and the most fun were the indie stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, here's the thing that I find a little bit disappointing for most gamers that I talk to is that um, they don't look at indie games as big titles. And most of them aren't, but that doesn't mean they're not good games. and most of them actually give way more compelling gameplay experiences than even some of the triple a counterparts definitely um i mean look at stuff that came in before like the um uh, her story or um what is it again um something. gone home or what remains of Eve finch legend of the Oberdin. yeah or uh, firewatch yeah or firewatch yeah. i mean this e3 had i think the most amount of indie games that I have seen ever displayed, mostly because of the kind of funny showcase and also um, Devolver Digital having their own, of course, digital event. Um, But also Microsoft and Nintendo also showcased a lot of indie titles during their press conference. I think... Square Enix tried. (laughs) I mean, the... One of the games that they showed was interesting. The 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 super what was it called again? Supercar, um, the supercar superstar something like the slot car, uh, racing machine kind of looks like RC Pro Am. Um, that one looked interesting, but the other one, the one that was I think it was called Battle, not Battlefield. That's Nice. Um, I forgot what it's called. Um, Battalion 1944? Yeah, Battalion, yeah. yeah I, I um, didn't see that which one. Is this, I saw it yesterday, but it looks like Call of Duty in World War II. It's basically that, but as a as an um, esports game. Yeah, because so. when I saw the footage yesterday, it really looked like it's uh, Modern Warfare with a World War II skin on it. Fast-paced gameplay, yeah. stuff like that. Um, I talked to a friend yeah, today was... and I said, hey, 
is that something we should look at? And he said, no, man, it's not something we should look at. <laughs> then we will move on. Yeah. All right. Any disappointments? Um, well, I haven't even talked about the games that I actually enjoyed. Oh, oh my bad. <laughs> I thought you were there already. My bad. No, 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 no. Because I want to highlight a couple of games. Actually, I really wish I could highlight some of the more indie titles that didn't list it up, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so things that really grabbed my attention, of course, um, there were like, there were a bunch of, I would recommend this. If you're listening to this right now, if you haven't checked out the kind of funny showcase, I recommend you check it out because there were a lot of amazing indie titles that were shown there of a lot of different genres. So there's definitely a game in there that, um, will tickle your fancy and will at least get you interested enough to pick up one of these games. And they tend to be on the cheaper side because they're not triple A 60 euro, 70 euro games or $60, $70 games. They're mostly $15, $20, sometimes maybe $25 experiences. And you'll get an awesome kick out of it. Um, some of them even had shadow drops. Some of them even had beta testing. One of the games that I will want to talk about is real quick is Skatebird. I don't know if you've seen if you've seen that one, but that is literally a cute little. You're playing as a cute little bird on a tech deck. You know those small little finger skateboards. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bird skateboarding on one of those things <laughs> through handmade um, through through a small like skateboard park. It is awesome. It has a beta on PC. I haven't downloaded yet. But I'm gonna do that, so I'll give you guys a watch. I've been playing report on that. Um, other than that, a lot of things that you already mentioned also caught my eye. That was really interesting. Um, yeah, from micro Microsoft had a lot. From me, Microsoft had a lot of indie titles that I was really looking forward to. Um, Ori and Will of the Wisp, beautiful game. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I mean. You know, Cyberpunk 2077, everybody's looking forward to that, including myself. Um, that That's more because I'm an RPG kind of guy, and I like those kind of things where you can just choose whatever um, decision you make, and it has an impact Apparently on what you, you do. Apparently, you can finish the game without killing anybody. Actually, I heard that that was not going to be the case. And people made us think about that. Am I confusing this with something else? Because I thought I read it yesterday somewhere. No, 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 no. You're right. I'm saying that this was originally not going to be the case. Oh. oh well, well, well. Because they, because it was asked, I think they asked CD Projekt Red about that last year because there were, uh, there were people that were comparing it to Deus Ex. Yeah. And Deus Ex has the option where you can go the complete passive route and not kill anybody. Yeah. And at that point, they were like, no, come hell or high water, you are going to hurt people whatever decision you make. So there's not going to be any kind of passive route. <laughs> and people got upset about that. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, is that they are trying to work it in so that you can do it. But if they're doing this now, it's going to take a while for them to fully implement it. So I don't know if it's going to make it when the game launches, because that is a really big task you'd have to put into if the game was not built for it. I wonder if they're going to be able to hit their release date because they said that a lot of the systems in the game are there, but they're not 
done yet. So they don't have everything defined yet, such as the character creation tool. It's in there, but it's not done yet. And there, there are systems in the game that they are currently evaluating to see if it will work or not, or if they want to keep it in or not. But the game's got a release date for April, so I'm really curious to see if they're going to get that release yeah. date or if they're going to push it again. They, they got time. Yeah. They got time. I mean, as, as long as they pace themselves, they have the time to do it. And as long as feature creep doesn't become a thing at the end, they should be able to hit that target. Um, but again, I'd rather have a game be delayed than it coming out rushed. Um other than that, uh, not a lot of things that grab my. I am looking forward to the, the to the Lego expansion in Horizon in uh, Forza Horizon. In Forza Horizon, so that's literally the only reason why I picked up the Xbox Game Pass for my PC um, for a buck. Uh, what else? Uh, the, the things the things that mostly grabbed my attention was at Sony's press conference because. Um, yeah, Watch Dogs, of course. I'm curious about Watch Dogs Le- Legion as well. Did you just say um, Sony's press conference? No, I, I think no, you I said Square Enix. Oh, Square Enix. Yeah. Oh, it sounded like you said Sony press conference. <laughs> wow, you really are having withdrawal issues. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Square Enix is one probably next to next to the kind of funny showcase and Nintendo's direct uh, are the things that caught my eye the most. Um, of course, Final Fantasy VII. I'm actually really looking forward. To- I heard like this. I will recommend this. Um, look up Maximilian Dude on YouTube. He has a retelling of his experience actually playing the game, and he explains it that what we saw on stage, like actually being able to experience this, is like a whole new level. Especially if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan. That game is going to work for you in, on so many levels. Even if it's just, even though it's just the Midgar part, they are expanding the ever-loving crap out of it. And just the game is just really gorgeous, and it plays. Well, it it sounds weird, and I really would like to play uh, that same demo that we was talking about because it sounded really interesting. I was skeptical even when they were showing it, and I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy VII fan. But after I heard that explanation, I was like, yo, I need to check this out. To be honest, and I was thinking about this the other day, I'm in doubt if I want to buy Final Fantasy VII when the game comes out. or Because uh, I was thinking, okay, maybe I should just wait until the other part comes out, whenever that will be, and then play them in one go. (laughs) And then I thought, yeah, okay, but I'm part of a gaming podcast, and I cannot pull it off by saying, oh, well, I'm going to not play Final Fantasy VII because that would be weird. No, we can do it through share play. Yeah, yeah, but it, I mean, I don't want to play the game and I rather would want to wait till the whole game comes out or all the episodes or whatever they're going to do and then play it all in one go instead of buying whatever comes out next year, playing the Midgard part and then waiting a couple of years. And then I thought, well, well I sim- can't do that because I, it's, yeah... Yes, I, I don't know how I'll feel by then, but... Well, considering that this first game is a full-fledged JRPG, and full-fledged JRPG can be anywhere between 50 to 100 hours, I don't think that that's a good idea. Okay, yeah, we'll just have to wait. Um, other than that, yeah, well, most of Nintendo's Direct was just... Ugh. I mean, I already talked about this before in our previous episode covering this, but... 
Trials of Mana. Oh my god, that game looks freaking amazing. I saw the I watched the 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 the, the Nintendo Treehouse event for it and just like the game looks so freaking pretty and looks like it plays so smoothly. The only downside is that they removed the multiplayer aspect from that from that version, which is quite the letdown. But at least it's intact in the collection, which comes with the other two mana games. So I'm happy as a climb of that. I've been waiting 25 years for that game to finally get a release date in the West. So, I mean, I played, I played, I played the fan translation for it um, with my cousin because we played Secret of Mana together. We finished it together. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've tried finishing it, and yeah, we never got around to it. So, at least hopefully this time I can actually finish the game. Um, I have the collection, so I'm gonna play that. The collection shadow drop was also like a big thing for me. Um, they showed more off from Astral Chain, which looks mega baller. Um, uh, what else? Uh, we're not going to even talk about Resident Evil because seriously. Link's um, Awakening. Link's, oh, oh, good grief. The fact that I even almost forgot about Link's Awakening. <laughs> that looks so freaking beautiful. Uh, if you have a heart, that'll look beautiful to you. Um, you mentioned that on a big ass TV. Yo, that's going to look so pretty. That's going to look so pretty. Um, The one thing that is kind of worrying to me is that according to some um, impressions, when you're in the dungeon, the game, the the frame rate is rock solid. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the overworld and it's like big patches and not just like a square, the frame rate seems to take a hit. Which is really weird, considering the art style. Maybe I don't know if it's the i I don't know if it's the lighting, um, the lighting engine that's making the frame rate dip. I honestly don't know. The game comes out in two. I want to say two months. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was coming out in September, so almost two to three months. So. You know, with it going to master and going gold, give or take month. two months development. Yeah, well, maybe one month left. Till they have or maybe a day one patch that would fix it. I don't know. Yeah. but Does Nintendo do that, day one patches? Depending on the game. Okay. But mostly mostly they don't. Yeah, because, for example, with uh, The Witcher 3 coming to Switch, they said that in docked mode, the game is going to be sub 720p. And in docked mode, it's going to be... Yeah, it's, dy- it's a dynamic resolution yeah, all around. It's kind of a bummer, but yeah, you know. Makes sense. Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, I saw an interview from, uh, the, I think, the, the, the UI designer from CD Projekt Red. I mean, they seem to be impressed with it. Or not impressed with it, they seem to be happy with the results. I mean, I the mean, fact that you that-, that game on the go is amazing. Exactly. That's the whole. That's the whole driving point for that one. Um, other than that, oh my god, there was way too many games, man. Good grief. Um, the DLC announcements, of course, for uh, Smash Brothers, Dragon Quest uh, Hero, Banjo Kazooie. People going complete, complete bananas over those two char- or over those characters. Here's the funny thing, though. Weird, weird controversy. Um, of course, I want to go back to that, but first, um, 
Breath of the Wild 2, amazing. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, and there was one more game that were in there um, that I was really... No More Heroes 3. Oh, my freaking God, that looks so well. I think that was a cinematic trailer all around, but they at least showed some um, simulated gameplay, which is seems to be true to the previous two titles, which were amazing. So I'm looking Machina forward to that. Deus Ex Machina actually looked like the frame rate was a bit better. But... I'm not 100% sure, which is kind of worrying. The gameplay itself is good. Like, if you play it, it's not a bad game. It's a fun game. The frame rate the frame rate is another problem altogether. But who knows? It's. I mean, it's coming out in about a month and a half, so we'll see it that day. I, I think Nintendo's um, the only company that's bringing out a lot of games this year and a lot of good yo. games. My wallet was crying at the end of that right? because <laughs> most of the games that they announced was between now and the end of September. Yeah. I mean, they don't like with the exception of Pokemon coming out in November, they basically don't have anything between September or between the end of September and November 15th. Yeah. At least not that I'm aware of. So hopefully in around September there'll be another direct that announces like what we're going to see moving up to the holiday season. But other than that, there's like a ton of games coming out in between. Yeah. Fire Emblem, um, Link's Awakening, um, Astral Chain, Deus Ex Machina. Um, I am missing stuff. I'm just, yeah, the, the direct was, the direct was crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some disappointments for me in there. Um, Contra looked just ugly. The funny thing is that people have said that it, other than the fact that it doesn't look that appealing, the gameplay is actually kind of fun, but it's not Contra gameplay. Yeah. So, eh. Um, other than that, Avengers. Crystal Chronicles finally got a date. No, well, it still didn't get a date. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. It's coming out this winter. But it's also coming out on mobile. So that remaster probably is not going to look that great because they have to factor that in. Um, it does have online multiplayer. And I'm not sure if that is cross-platform. Okay. Because it's coming out on Switch, PS4, and mobile platforms. I hope it would be. They also haven't said if it also supports local uh, lo local multiplayer, which would be weird if the Switch version at least didn't have that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Avengers um, look disappointing. Avengers look disappointing. Marvel Ultimate Alliance, however, no, people are, are suddenly like, oh, maybe I'll pick that one That's up instead because that at least looks good. Yeah. At least that looks accurate. Yeah. You know what the problem with that game is? It's... It's been a game that's been in development for so long, and the studios that are behind the game have a really good proven track record. But, for example, it just looks it just looks off. Yeah, because the, for that's example, the, the character design, it doesn't look like. And I'm not expecting MCU lookalikes, but it doesn't look like. For example, Tony Stark doesn't look like a Tony Stark I would expect. It kind of felt no. like. The way Japanese people interpret or see Western people, if they were to make it, oh, if I were to make a Western guy, this is probably how he look. 
you know, like a really rich guy, a really big American rich guy, you know. But you know, it's it's that, and there's so many conflicting messages around. Will it have multiplayer? Will it have co-op? How will it look? Oh no, there will be multiplayer. I know, it's the, but the, it's the question not really of clear and how that will be. And but there, people are also comparing it to, the, at least from 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 reports here and there, that they're comparing it to uh, Destiny. No, like the, 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 the gameplay structure of Destiny. Yeah, because when... So it's a single-player thing, and you can have hop-in, hop-out, multiplayer. Well, what I read, it's the multiplayer part is side missions you can do with your friends. It's not that you can play the main game with a friend. That's what okay, I Okay, I hadn't heard. Yeah, so I hadn't heard that. It, it, for example, that. Why would I want to play side missions with my friends? I want to play the whole game or the main experience. I don't care about side <laughs> missions. And when they announced it, I believe it was an open world game, and now it's not. It's definitely not an open world game. They did. Are you sure about I that? Because I didn't hear anything about that. At the time. I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't think. So. I don't. I don't know because there was like little known about that. Um, but yeah, wrapping like wrapping up my thoughts here real quickly. To me. Between the indie games that I saw that got me really excited, I, I'll have to look up the list again. Um, I'll totally highlight them in a future podcast because they need to be highlighted, in my opinion. Um, and the stuff that I saw, it, it, it's clearly a transitional time. But at the very least, if you're a Nintendo fan and if you got a Switch, you got a plenty of games to choose between now and uh, and the end of the year. Plenty of things to play. Enough for you to last, I don't know, three e two E3s at least. Because, you know, unless your wallet can handle it, I think your wallet is going to be really angry if you try to buy all those games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to Death Stranding this year. Uh, I still don't know just, what that game's about, but yeah. Just... I, the only thing I'm going to say about Death Stranding is just keep um, keep your expectations in check because if it ends up being even a little bit disappointing, you're going to get a lot of disappointment. Yeah. And I mean, I think Sony's going to uh, do a state of play really soon and announce a release date for The Last of Us. It's The rumor circuit is, is constantly saying it's going to be Q1 2019. And today I saw a report that Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima is also coming out next year. And I'm like, yes, yes. Well, they they have to do it. Man. They have to, at the very least, those two games have to come out before they announce the new system. Because if it doesn't come out before they announce the new system, it's going to take the sales out of the, the sales figures for those games. Yes and no. Because, I mean, if they, for example... Um, was it during the PS2 era, I think, when God of War 2 came out? The PS3 had already come out, I believe, or it was just like just before the PS3 came out. But the benefit of, of game, doing something like that is that even though you come up with a new system and you keep supporting your old system, it it's not a bad move because, um, I mean, there are almost 100 million PS4s out there. If they bring this yeah. game out after the new PlayStation comes out, it's not necessarily a bad move because those hundred million people can say, you know what, I'll buy this game instead of buying a new console and have no games for it at all. 
Yeah, but considering the fact that the 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 next PlayStation is going to be backwards compatible, wouldn't you try to drive that? I don't know. Especially if it's going to enhance the experience over your PlayStation Four or PlayStation Four Pro. Yeah, and um, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think Last of Us Two is going to come out early next year. I keep mentioning this every episode because it only feels <laughs> like that's the only card I can play because that's. Almost the only thing we know that Sony's working on, Last of Us 2 and, and Ghost of Tsushima, and you know the rest is all speculation. I would, I'm well, hope- the rest is all third party. Yeah, I'm hoping that Sony comes up with the Gran Turismo for the new PlayStation, because it's been a few years since we've got a Gran Turismo game. That's still a thing? Yeah, and the funny thing is, is the developer, Polyphony, Polyphony Digital, has been constantly supporting the game almost, I think, every month with updates, new cars, new tracks, new features. So, Gran Turismo Sport has grown out to become a pretty big game, but we just need a new Gran Turismo by now because we need just new stuff, you know? All right. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Um, I'm assuming that if they're going to announce a new Gran Turismo, it will probably be at next E3 when they, you know, showcase the new system. Um, cool. All right. Um, do you have any other last remarks before we head on to the next segment? You didn't mention the Outer Worlds, but I'm happy you didn't because I have a feeling <clears throat> that that's uh, Fallout. <laughs> I think I traumatized you enough with the spider talk, yeah. so I think you're good. Yeah, but I am looking forward to that one too. Yeah. It's coming out this year, so I'll uh, see how it is. That is at least a title that's coming out this year. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for our first big segment. Um, Stick around and we'll be back with what we've been playing. All right. All right. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Now we're going to talk about what you've been playing. So, Maximilian, what you've been playing? Ah, I've I've been playing a lot of stuff actually in the past couple of weeks. Even though we're not at three three, doesn't mean that I that we don't stop playing games. Um, the thing that I've been playing the most recently uh, was the aforementioned Shadow Dropped. Uh, well, not Shadow Drop because it actually came out a couple of days later. Um, <laughs> Cadence of Hyrule. Okay, I have to say the full title at least once because it is just ridiculous. Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring The Legend of Zelda. Uh, Try saying that three times fast. (laughs) (laughs) But, long ass title aside, it is probably one of the most fun I've had with a rhythm game in a very long time. And this is because... If you can just briefly tell me what it's about... Have you played Crypt of the Necrodancer before? No. All right. So, um, elevator pitch. A rhythm game that's also an action adventure. Well, actually, no. A rhythm game that's a roguelike. That sounds cool. Well, if have you played Rogue uh, Rogue Legacy or Sharon the Wanderer or the? No, of course you haven't. You don't play stuff on Nintendo games. 
Um, yeah, you obviously also never played Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. It's, it's, but basically it's like those games, but with a rhythm aspect to it. So the music um, dictates how not just you move, but how your enemies move. And your enemies move when you do. And you mm-hmm. have to move to the beat to land a hit. Okay. And whenever you land a hit, you build up a multiplier, and the multiplier um, adds to the flow of the rhythm, and the rhythm gets more intense. Um, the flow gets more intense, and you actually be. And the point is to get uh, as in sync to a point where you're just hitting, 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 dodging, hitting, hitting, hitting until your enemy is defeated. Okay. And it basically. Uh, Cadence of Hyrule is a very unique game in the sense that it's an indie title using Nintendo properties, in this case, The Legend of Zelda. So it takes place in Hyrule, as the name suggests, but you cannot just play as Cadence, the main character from Crypt of the Necrodancer. You actually start off with either zelda or link so in the beginning when you open when you start the game it shows you the 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 story starts the cutscene, and it sets up the game and at a certain point after the tutorial area you get to choose who you want to start off as so you can either choose zelda or you can choose link and depending on who you choose your starting point in hyrule is different that's cool. From that point on, you're playing as that character until you find the other two characters in the game, and then you can play as them as well. They all have unique weapons, although Cadence and Link share a similar um, tool set. So those two play similarly, and Zelda's plays uniquely because Zelda can use more magic spells um, that are from, of course, the Legend of Zelda games. Um, the items are also mostly from the Legend of Zelda games, reimagined, of course. The enemies have been reimagined um, to fit this gameplay style, which is really cool. Um, it starts off really simple with a bunch of chews in the overworld, um, but they're also modeled after the monsters in Crypt of the Necrodancers. So, for example, the green chews are like the green slimes in Crypt of the Necrodancer that just hop in place to the beat. So they're very easy to hit, and it's a very easy uh, target practice to stay on beat. The other one are blue slimes or blue chews, which only move up and down on the beat. So as long as you um, get the timing, you can always hit them without them hitting you and damaging you. And then it gets more complex from that. The bokoblins add a little twist to it where before they strike, they lift up their arms and then they jump. And when they jump, it's when they strike. So as long as you pay attention to that, you can hit it, and you hit it on the rhythm. It's just it sounds like a lot. It of is. It's it, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I was playing it on day one, and a friend of mine was playing on day one. He's already finished it. Oh man! Within, I think twenty four hours of the game releasing. Um, That's not not to say that the game is short. The game is the game is. Short in the sense that there are a few bosses before you get to the to the last boss, the last um, dungeon, which is I'm not going to spoil that. Um, but the world is big, and 
it is all about learning to to stay on rhythm. And even though there are a lot, the other things that the tracks are remixed Zelda tracks, and they're so good. I was humming the Gerudo Valley remix in my head this entire day at work. Wow. Because it was just, it's just like the rhythm is just so awesome. And if you've heard Gerudo Valley before from uh, Ocarina of Time, it's that version, but then remixed. And then you're playing to the beat of that song. And it's just so satisfying when you get into that perfect rhythm where you have a bunch of enemies coming towards you from all sides and you're just nailing them one after the other or using Link's spin attack to attack them all at the same time in rhythm to the beat. And it just feels like this connective synergy to it. It is so cool. If If you're a Legend of Zelda fan and if you have a Switch, pick it up. Don't care what you think about it. Just because you think it's an indie title, it's a really good game. It's a really good game, and I really hope that Nintendo does more of these collaborations with indie developers, because as we've seen before, am I saying that correctly? Last year? Last year or the year before, when when, when Sonic Mania came out, just because they're indie developers doesn't mean that they can't do a good job of making a game for a big publisher like Sega or Nintendo. Sonic Mania proved it for Sega. Cadence of Hyrule proves it for Nintendo. So I hope that whoever is out there that's able to do a F-Zero for Nintendo, please make an F-Zero for Nintendo. <laughs> like pitch it to them. I don't care. Or make a really good futuristic racing game that impresses Nintendo because they were impressed with um because they were impressed with um crypt of the necrodancer like miyamoto himself actually plays crypt of the necrodancer and he was very addicted to the game that's one of the reasons why they actually got that opportunity to do that so hopefully we see more opportunities like this pop up we've seen nintendo collaborate more and more with third-party developers especially with ubisoft with these kind of things like with Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle and the Starlink game with you know the Star Fox content. So hopefully we see more of that kind of stuff in the future. Um, that was the thing that I've been playing the most. I have been playing other stuff. I'm inching closer to the end finally to Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh my God. I I've actually reached the point where I know what that what the whole backstory of that game's universe is. It's cool, right? and. And it's cool, but it's so gosh darn depressing because yeah. it kind of feels close to home in a in a futuristic aspect, yeah. of course. I mean, we're nowhere, thank goodness, we're nowhere near that kind of level of technology that they were talking about there. But it is scary how close we are to that kind of stuff. I like if the you, if in you, the game. I didn't expect the game to go there. Because I expected when they were talking about Project Zero Dawn, like, okay, they're just going to find a fix for the solution and they're just going to do something and then something might go wrong. And that's why you're who you are playing what you're doing. And when I kind of found out that they are just going to come up with this super crazy last resort solution without spoiling too much stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's... Cool. I didn't expect this to happen. 
Well, see, here's the thing. I kind of did. I didn't expect how far it was going to go. Yeah. Because it it was what I was expecting, but it, the the level of the level of just how do I say this without spoiling it? Mm-hmm. Um, it is difficult. Based, basically, if you've played it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it goes into a place where you wouldn't expect it to go. And the consequences of the decisions that they made to, in- to initiate that project yeah. and what happened after that yeah. is what is the thing that was actually really not bittersweet it's a bad ending in a way and i kind of like that it's very sad yeah is basically what it is it's very sad um but i'm inching closer to the end of that so i'll give you guys my full impressions of that when i finish it hopefully in the next two weeks i should be done with that in the meantime um thanks to e3 stuff they always tend to discount stuff uh for gaming but e- nintendo had their big of course uh eShop sales so i actually bought a bunch of games that i haven't played yet but i bought them during e3 week uh from the eShop, and i also bought um the division 2 which was on sale i know which you recommended yes um you bought the game it took almost 75 gigabytes to install, but I got the sucker installed. Um, and I started playing it a little bit. I'm level five right now. I'm still in the early stuff. Um, it's The gameplay still feels as good as we did when we did the beta. Yeah, right. Um, but like uh, a game that I was recently talking about, um, Actually, it's something that we talked about last week, uh, Resident Evil 5. Mm-hmm. It it feels like that. Well, it doesn't feel like that game, but it feels like how that game is. And that is that it feels way better when you're playing co-op. Yeah, it's a game made like to it. be played co-op. You can play it's it a game alone. To be made with pl- but... You can play it alone, but I'm going to be completely honest. I died a lot. Like, I died a lot. And that is that's and the the problem the the thing with dying a lot in Division Two is it's not an issue if you're playing with someone because that person can revive you. But I don't know, man. It doesn't it doesn't work if you're doing it single player. And I know you can send out you know a distress beacon and someone can come help you. But I kind of didn't feel like playing with strangers yeah, <laughs> because mean. I was just because the thing is because I was playing it in little bursts and I didn't want to get a stranger's help only to be like, oh, yeah, thank you. But I'm just going to finish this real quick and go offline. I didn't want to be rude. Yeah. If, if that if that makes sense to you. Um, so hopefully we can play that uh, together soon. Um, other than that. um. I have dabbled into other stuff that I, uh, like I said, um, I bought on the eShop on discount. Um, the Contra collection came out. They shadow dropped that on the day of the direct. So I got that. I also, as I said before, got the Secret of Mana collection and I started playing the Mana games. Yay. The first one and Secret of Mana. Okay. So Final Fantasy Adventure 
and Secret of Mana. I haven't started on Trials of Mana yet. It's just my precious little baby that I just want to take my sweet time to play. Uh, maybe I'll do a little bit of a gameplay um, thing uh, on on our YouTube channel. Um, Which is but that's a game that I like soon. fully want to... I just fully want to immerse myself when that time comes, yeah. that game. So, yeah. Um, so that's what I've been playing. So what about you, Sean Templar, who was on vacation, who had <laughs> lots of time to play games? I wasn't in the, in the country, so the only things that I have been able to play is I played a lot of Bullet Sport Manager on my back. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, if you only had a system that you could take with you wherever you went, I could play full-ass console games. Yeah, that's called Gee, a laptop, and later this year, it'll be called Goo Stadia or Project X Cloud. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure that wherever you were in, the, in your neck of the woods, Google Stadia would work perfectly. With the 8 megabit connection that I had, I think I'd be able to play that in 4K, 60 FPS in HDR. <laughs> oh, wow. That was, that, was, that was quite an adventure. I was me. actually afraid <laughs> that we couldn't record this podcast. So eventually I started to think about emergency solutions. So I ran into a phone shop. I said, yo, I need a SIM card with just data on it. And the guy said, okay, how much data do you need? Give me as much as you can. I said, okay, I can do 10 gigs. I said, no, that's not enough. And he said, what? Well, why is that not enough? Doesn't matter. I need more. I said, I can't do more. Okay, screw this. Run to another store. I need a lot of gigs. I need a lot of data, more than 10 gigs. He said, what? Why do you need more than 10 gigs? Doesn't matter. Give me more. He said, oh, I can only do 12. Not enough. Run to another store. Yo, I need more data. Can you do more than 12 gigs? What? Why do you need 12 gigs? And then eventually, I freaked out. <laughs> why do you people keep asking me why I need so much data? Just give me data, you know? And I was like, oh, well, we don't do that around here. Like, you know what? F it. And I just ran out and made sure that the internet connection that I had started to work and we could luckily record our podcast. But uh, yeah, that was literally the bare minimum that you could do. Uh, so. But anyways, um, I played Motorsport Manager on the Mac. Um, I like the part about the game that you can install mods. So you can, because the game doesn't feature licensed uh, Formula One, it's a fictional league. So you can either play with a fictional team or you can create your own team. Um, yeah. But through Steam Workshop, you can download all sorts of mods. So for example, if you want the latest FIA uh, team championships or what's going on right now with Red Bull Racing and Renault and all that stuff, you can just download it for free and then all the characters, all the names, all the all the sponsors, everything is super accurate and it's all fan made. Even the opening videos and the music in there is just available for free, which really makes it cool. But you can also, for example, go back into older Formula One. I did a season with 2004 cars because I like those cars from that era more. And then I had drivers such as uh, Michael Schumacher, for example, and Alonso back at Renault. So that was also really cool. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, the, I'm curious about stuff like fan mods that add, um, you know, licensed stuff. How that stuff is... I'm assuming that because it's considered... Um, would it be considered... Cre um, 
like a creative license or something? I think it's okay because they don't. How do you have mods like that? Okay, yeah, okay. So, oh, so those are free mods. Yeah, yeah all the mods are free. So oh, okay. I think that that's the way they kind of can work with it. Whereas I think that's charging, how they're working around the law. Yeah, I think that's the way. And it's cool that they can because there are all sorts of different things you want. Um, I'm currently in my. I mean, I'm in two different seasons. And one is with uh, mods for the newest season, so the 2019 with uh, Mercedes. And one is a fictional team I just started. And I'm pretty far along. And what I started to do is said, okay, let me just start in Formula 3 and work my way up to Formula 1. Uh, so that's really mm-hmm. cool because there's all sorts of challenges and included with the game. Besides that, I've been playing some more Battlefield. Uh, Battlefield got a new mode, a limited mode called Outpost. Um, it's based on two maps, uh, Mercury, which is one of the new maps set in Greece, and on an existing map called Arras, which is in France. And basically, it's a map in which you have uh, multiple points on the map, and you need to build a radio tower. And then you can... Uh, this the radio tower spreads propaganda, and by spreading propaganda, you gain recruits, um, which is generally like a point system. And you need the first team to mm-hmm. hit a hundred recruits or a hundred points wins the match. But you can upgrade your radio towers to level three, for example, by building that. So then you get more recruits every time. But you can also destroy the enemy's towers so that they lose recruits or they're recruit counter freezes so it's a combination of uh rush meets conquest so it's really cool because it focuses the action on a lot of points in the map instead of just a random snipe fest which happens on on those maps so do each of the teams build their own towers or is there one central tower structure that you have to capture first Uh, no there are multiple points around the map so there are, oh, okay. for example, four or five points, A, B, C, D, and then you can capture them or destroy them in which order you want. But it's really wow. funny that um, I was playing with this with a friend of mine. Uh, I'll shout out his name so he knows that I'm talking about him. His name's is uh, Lieutenant Moore 54 So if you're listening, <laughs> uh, I, I'm talking about you. We were playing the other day, and the funny thing is when you're building those towers, the first two levels, you can just build them and then it's good. And then when you build the third level, the tower turns red, meaning that you have to step away so that the tower can build out or can generate. And what you would see often is that 10 people would swarm a tower, drop mm. smoke grenades, and then the whole tower would disappear in smoke. And then they would build the tower. And then when it reached level three, the tower would turn red and then everybody would step back at the same time. So it kind of looked like a dance slash a waltz in the game and everybody was at the same time <laughs> stepping back and the massive <laughs> tower would pop up all of a sudden. Um, so that was really funny. Um, it's a shame that it's a limited timeout. I don't know mm-hmm. why DICE is doing it, but DICE is doing a lot of limited timeouts with this battlefield, which they didn't really do in previous battlefields. Um, they've said they are... They're... Well, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's the... It's the battle area. It's the it's the Fortnite. Uh, it's the Fortnite mechanic. Yeah, they said because there was a there was an interview with uh, the live producer for Battlefield Five, and he said that they're doing it so that they can experiment with different kinds of game modes, uh, which yeah. I do understand. It's just that certain game modes they did for a limited time were 
so good that you just want to be able to play them all the time instead of hoping that it will come back. There was a game mode called Grind, which was um, a game mode in which it was 64 players and then the map would really go into this small area and it would become like a bottleneck and then it would be one team defending it and one team just rushing at it. So it was this really intense, chaotic feeling like uh, storming the beaches in Normandy in Saving Private Ryan, you know, it really was that intense. You would just constantly just shoot with your guns and people would just swarm at you like, ah, you know, just constantly screaming, medic, reloading, ah, it's super intense. And, and that's what's fun. And when we play Battlefield often, for example, they've added uh, new stuff in there as well a while back, such as artillery barrages. That's the sound effect around that, for example, they nailed that. It's so cool when they do an artillery barrage, you see smoke popping, and then you can hear the shells dropping in, and then it's just a rain of shells, and you hear these explosions, and it, it feels like you're in the midst of the battle itself. When that stuff generally happens, I start screaming, like, oh, get down, artillery coming! I'm so deep in the game, and just <laughs> I'm just shouting into the microphone all the time, man. I'm, I'm, I really like where Battlefield is going. I just hope they can keep mm. this momentum going. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming that they'll be able to do that no problem because they're updating stuff and probably coming up with new modes every, um, every month. So ready to implement. I mean, this, this, uh, that kind of feels a lot like how um, my experience was with, with Splatoon and Splatoon 2. Um, they added a bunch of stuff. Like basically, they had, they have this thing what they call a Splatfest, and basically every month it's kind of like this kind of weird popularity contest um, where you choose a side, and then uh, for a whole weekend, well, a two day weekend, um, you play for that side, and it, the 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 stages are changing the change changed up, and there's like one particular stage that is a transforming stage, and every time it's different. Um, which is really cool. Um, unfortunately, that is coming to an end after two years of uh, of the game's service. So, yeah, um, that's unfortunate. But it is, but it does sound cool what Battlefield is doing. And I th- and like I said before, I said the wrong word. What I meant to say was, um, the the Fortnite effect. Yeah. What I meant formula. to say. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, formula then would kinda but it's more the fortnite effect where people look at fortnite and try and pick and outside of the battle royale mechanic of course try and pick and choose what aspects of fortnite work best for their game and try to implement that because we know that um they had this limited time event with when avengers came out yeah when john wick came out and i think they're working on a new one that is being rumored, but we're not. I'm. I'm not 100 sure what that one is about. But there is something limited time coming. They actually hinted. They actually announced a new weapon that has to do with it, which is the flare gun. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows what they're gonna use the flare gun for. So we don't know if it's like a new temporary mode or if it's a new permanent mode. We don't know. Um, but but that is something that if you have a li- if you have a live service. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a live service, it ha- you have to add you either have to do one of two things. You're either constantly adding stuff or you're uh, going to go the experimentational route. 
where you come up with game modes that are interesting, try it out, pull it out, try something else, just to keep it interesting, just to keep the the gameplay of you know standard deathmatch and capture the flag and conquest and stuff like that, trying to keep that at least somewhat interesting. And I think that's the reason why they're doing that for Battlefield Five. At least that's how it. Um, that's my. That's how I feel about it when you're ex- dis- uh, yeah. describing that. Yeah, there are. So the, the yeah. classic Battlefield modes are still in there, such as Conquest. It's just that exactly they're constantly trying out new stuff. And f- with the people that I play with together, we're all the the opinions are all the same. This is a cool mode. Why did they take this out? Or that's a cool mode. Why did they take it out? Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably hear and see more in the future. I understand if a mode's not popular, but for example, when Firestorm came out, they added uh, duos into Firestorm, and then they eventually took it out. And they said, yeah, we've seen that duos isn't that popular compared to people squatting up. But for example, duos has become kind of a standard mode to have in a... Uh, what you call it, in, in a Battle Royale game. So I was surprised that they just wouldn't leave it in because it's like a standard mode to have in your Battle Royale game. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy at least that they told us why they did it instead of just taking it out and saying, well, we decided to take it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So um, anything else we've been playing? Hmm. Uh, no, I'm gonna play a lot of Total War Three Kingdoms again. It's just that I'm I'm gonna build a new PC probably next week. So I'm kind of holding off until I build the PC so I can enjoy that game in a better visual fidelity. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to playing that game. I've already sunken in twenty hours or something like that, and I just want to play it even more. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna continue and. Um, I already beat the four bosses, so I'm actually doing the final run on Cadence of Hyrule, so hopefully I'll get that done within the next day or so. And, uh, yeah, and finish up Horizon Zero Dawn, finally. And then we can start playing Division 2. And then we can start playing Division 2. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was the second segment. Uh, we're going to move on to our hidden gem, so stick around. And welcome back to our final segment of this episode, which is, of course, our hidden gems. Sean Templar, do you have a hidden gem that you want to share with the lovely people at home? I do. Um, I'm not a huge fan of early access games. Because mm-hmm. you never know what you're buying into. True. And a while back, I saw this. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the No Clip YouTube channel because the guys, it's kind of like documentary uh, filmmaking and it's all funded by gamers or it's independently funded. So every episode has sometimes a couple of thousand backers and then everybody's also thanked in the credits and stuff like that. And then they go into in-depth stuff such as they had segments that they were at Bethesda, really on site there, getting all access. They had a segment they did around Horizon Zero Dawn. 
and and they also did a segment around the game called Astro Near, um, which really caught my eye. And eventually, I saw the game on uh, Steam. I saw the game. I thought on Xbox Game Pass. So I first got Xbox Game Pass, and it turned out not to be available on the PC. So thank you for that, Microsoft. I wasted my money on that. And then eventually, <laughs> I blew thirty bucks on it and bought it through Steam. Uh, and basically, what the game Astroneer is about, it the, the name almost says it, is that you're a astronaut which is stranded in a way on a planet and you need to get off the planet again and to be able to do that you need to build a spaceship and Mm -hmm. to build a spaceship you need to create parts you need to harvest resources um it's kind of it feels like no man's sky yeah um but it really looks stylish. It's really cool. It's a really basic game. It's an indie game, but it really looks stylish. It's really fun to play. And it's also pretty deep because um, you have to keep eye on your power supply. You can't just run around on the planet. You have um, an oxygen tether you need to keep in check. So when you're walking, you can put these oxygen tethers that connect to your main base. It's kind of like those... Uh, lines when you're climbing a mountain you hook yourself onto a line so that when you slip you don't fall off the mountain it looks a lot like that so you create these tethers but you also need to harvest resources to be able to craft the tethers Um, and you can harvest everything on the planet so the game is built on not on polygons but something else i don't know what it's called anymore it's something with a t um it's something new and which creates these uh, procedurally generated worlds and makes everything breakable, to put it that way. So, for example, you can build a, I would call it a space vacuum cleaner that sucks in those resources. But if you want, you can just point that resource, that vacuum cleaner on the ground, and then it starts to suck in that ground and starts to dig a hole. And if you dig long enough, you can just go to the core of the planet which might cause you to enter into a cave, for example, and then you might find an alien crash there or other rare resources. But if you don't have, if you don't build tethers while you're going down to the core, you might die of suffocation. Um, It's a really cool game. There's not like a clear goal in the game. There's not really a story in the game. It's one of those games that you kind of have to drive yourself, motivate yourself to explore and push yourself to get off the planet. Uh, you can build parts to of your base. You can, um, re- you can, for example, you have these um, uh, resources. You can convert into other resources. You can gather resources such as ammonia, and then you can cr- uh, uh, um, craft that, or you can put it into a machine, which converts it into for example, plastic. And then with plastic, you can make, um, for example, a solar panel, which grants you power when you're just walking around, or it oh. gives you solar cells, or it gives you a light you can put, put on your backpack. It's a pretty big game for $30 or euros made by any developer. Um, you can also play the game in co-op if you want, which is also a super cool thing. Online co-op? Uh, I think so, yeah. I haven't tried it, but the, the option's there in the menu. 
Um, oh, okay. the, yeah, the game is available on Xbox. The game is available on PC. I'm playing the PC version. And it's a really fun game. It's just that you have to be motivated to constantly keep discovering. And yeah. I've, I've put eight hours into the game or something, something like that. And because I need a really specific resource to be able to build the next step into getting closer to my spaceship and I can't find that resource, that's a small thing that's annoying me because, yeah, I've tried a lot of stuff, digging holes into the planet, digging holes into the mountains. There's holes everywhere, but I just <laughs> can't find the resource I'm looking for. Um, you can build tractors, you can drive on or space rovers. There's a lot of stuff you can build. And the, the, the cool part is that you are doing this exploration while you're, while you're at it. It's just that you have to gather all these resources and you can't infinitely gather these resources because what happens is your vacuum cleaner sucks it all in and then it creates like a cube and that cube drops onto the floor and then you have to grab the, the cube and put it in your backpack, but you also have an, if, an, a finite amount of space in your backpack. It's not that you can put everything in it. So there are a lot of mechanics in the game that force you to adapt constantly. And that's what I really like about the game. It really has this cool, stylish look. You should definitely look it up. All right, cool. I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. it's called Astroneer, and it's available for 30 years on Steam. And it's an early access game. OK, cool. Wow, that, uh, huh, I'll have to look it up. I like space games. I mean. Yeah, I like space games. Yeah, me too. That's why I kind of. I, I, I mean, I, I bought, um, I bought Kerbal Space Program when it was still in early access, so it was cheap. It was like fifteen euros. A friend of mine is so enthusiastic about that game. That game is so it. good, but it deserves a way better rig than I have right now. Yeah. <laughs> I heard. And here's the thing: the they stuff for that game. Here's the thing: they. Were, they said that they were working on a console version like a couple of years ago, and then it's we heard on PS4. Wait, you're kidding? Yeah, the, the friend of mine that plays it said that it's out, but it's just it's better played on a PC than on a. Uh, oh, because console. of the controls. I think so. Yeah, because of the controls. Yeah. I wonder if they'll patch in PlayStation VR uh, support. That would actually. Make Is sense. the PC version playable in VR? I don't think. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, the game is available. I think it came out on PC, on PlayStation in 2016. Because I can see it really? in the June review for 2016 for the PS4. And I can see it on the PlayStation Store for about 40 euros. Yeah, it that's came out. Oh, wait. It says here it came out January 16, 2018. So last year. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Um. Yeah, I mean, I love Kerbal Space Program. This sounds like, and I actually enjoyed, for as much as my PC could handle it, I enjoyed No Man's Sky. So I'm still gonna get it on PlayStation Four eventually, um, because I just want to play that game. Like but that's also one of those games that you have to be motivated to constantly discover things. exactly and yeah i i can only the same for kerbal so and after that i just i i i must i like stories so if there's no and they've added it in by now with no man's sky but when it came out in the beginning it didn't have a story at all you constantly have to motivate yourself to discover well it had a vague semblance of a story yeah 
Well, it had it had a goal, not so much a story. Yeah, it traveled to the goal. center of the universe. Yeah, but moving on to the hidden gem that I have, and um, we're going back to the 3DS well here. But this is again one of those unique experiences, like Cadence of Hyrule, that I totally recommend people pick up and play, um, which is called Pocket Card Jockey. This is a game that was made by the developers of the Pokemon franchise, Game Freak, and it is a horse racing game where you race your horse by playing a unique game of solitaire. What? Yes, it sounds as batshit insane as that sounds, but it is so fun and so addicting because basically what you have is the story is very simple. You are a jockey who is not good at his job. And he was about to lose his job when he got kicked off a horse, essentially died, and then went to heaven and got greeted by an angel who gave him the option to come back to earth and actually become a good jockey. But he, but the jockey himself is so bad at a lot of things. The only thing that he was good at was playing solitaire. So the angel was like, you know what? I'm going to allow you to become a good jockey through playing solitaire. So what okay. you do whenever a race starts is um, you start a very quick game of solitaire um, and then you're off. And during each segment of the race, depending on how long the, 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 the race is, there's a set of amount of solitaire games that you have to complete. So each segment you have to start with a card and then you pick the higher or lower value until you can't pick no more. And then you get a stack of cards which you can use to fill up. And when you get when you see a number that you can pick up, it's basically it is solitaire, but you're playing it kind of upside down because the cards are 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 stacked um, in rows horizontally, and you have to work those away. And once you've cleared it, um, you gain a boost, and you can put, reposition your horse on the track to gain more energy. And at the last final sprint is where you use that energy to move up into the pack um, if you need a speed boost, you can uh, you can use speed boost that you pick up during the solitaire se- session. I totally recommend um, looking up the, the 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 trailer for that. But it is one of the more unique games out there, especially considering it's a 3DS game. What is the game called? Um, I just want to see it right now. Pocket Card Jockey. So I, I t- wow, I can really hear your keyboard going. I have a mechanical <laughs> keyboard, so. Uh... Yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> I have to get used it to is, it. Yeah. It is a really fun game. I picked it up when it came out. I heard about it when it launched in Japan, and I was like, okay, A, that sounds insane. B, that sounds awesome. C, they're never going to localize this. And <laughs> the horse looks they, bigger it, than the jockey. The horse's well, head the, looks bigger than the jockey. Well, jockeys are always tiny. Do you never know that? Did you not know that? Jockeys are small people. i thought they just like really made themselves small because no of they make themselves small but 
jockeys don't tend to be tall people. But in this case, the horse's head looks bigger than the whole jockey. Well, of course, it's it's of course exaggerated. But the point is, is that, yeah, it is a really cute art aesthetic. But honestly, I, I honestly don't know how I'm going to convince other people to play this game because it is a 3DS title. But if you have a 3DS and you haven't picked this up yet, it's relatively cheap on the eShop. I don't remember what the price is. I could look it up real quick. But it's relatively cheap on the eShop. It is a very deep game. I've spent... I haven't checked my... Uh, I haven't checked my 3DS clock on it, but I think I have spent at least 50 hours in the game. Damn. And I still haven't finished the game. <laughs> there like is a, a fun game, though. There is a... There is a semblance of a story in there in which that as a jockey, you're racing other people's horses. So there are certain points in the game where you have story beats with the owners um, and they're all different. They're all different and kind of semblance of people. So you have a um, you have a pop idol who is very much into learning about new things in the world and trying out new things and being very cultured. Well, okay, cultured is not the right word here. Um, <laughs> she likes to keep herself informed. So if there's something that she doesn't know about, she likes to learn more about it. So she's very inquisitive, not something that you would that not something that you would expect from your typical pop idol, especially because she looks like a typical pop idol. Then you have this really gaudy rich guy with gold, like his whole, all of his teeth are gold. It's really gross and weird. And he's super short and has this big grin all the time, unless when you make him upset. And then the last guy that, no, no, actually there are two more guys. So the, the guy before the last is this typical mad doctor which you think, why is a mad doctor an owner of horse race, uh, racehorses? He looks, he has an eye patch and he has like the the cape with the pauldrons on it. And it looks really weird. Oh, and like a bad guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He looks like a villain, but he, he owns racehorses. Okay. And the last one is a very Steve Jobs looking guy who's a game developer. <laughs> and ironically enough, he makes uh, his best selling game was get this a horse racing sim. Wow. Which is so ironic. But the funny part is because you have all these unique owners, all the horses from these owners have names that make sense to the owners. So um, the the pop idol has horses that have like this beautiful, beautiful blah, 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 um, beautiful, beautiful pony, for example, or sunny day. And the, 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 the mad scientist has like uh, mindful experiment or big experiment or uh, and the game designer has weird game sounding um, horses, and of course the rich guy, of course her his horses are like called bling bling and <laughs> money and 
all those weird kind of names. You can change the names of the horses if you want to at the beginning when you um, uh, when you choose them. You get the option to change it, but if you don't want to change it, you don't have to. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. Um, the cool thing also about it is that the horse you go through seasons. So basically, every you have a set amount of races, and when a season is done, the horse ages up. So when the horse reaches maturity, you can still race with them to to build up your capital. But if you lose three times, you have to retire the horse. And when you retire the horse, the horses that are retired are in this little on this little farm, and you can have two of them mate so that you can make better horses with better stats because it has, of course, RPG elements in it. Because wow. all the horses have different stats, and if you put two horses together that have great stats and great skill unlocks, you can unlock skills of their of their fall and you know breed better racing horses like a real. Horse racing game. That sounds pretty so neat it's, for a horse game. It is like for something as silly as a solitaire horse racing game, it is surprisingly deep. So again, I urge people, if you have a 3DS, pick it up, play it. It is really fun. You won't regret it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Pocket Card Jockey on YouTube. Check out the trailer or check out a, re a video review of them. Most reviews of it is really positive. I mean, not tens, of course, but like a lot of eights and eights and nines in there and a couple of sevens in there, of course. But most people are positive on it. Like, it, it is a really fun game. So, uh, yeah, that's it for my hidden gem for this week. And I did not expect it to be something like this, but it really sounds fun. <laughs> Um, next time when we meet, I'll show it to you, man. It's totally fun. You should at, at least check it out in real person. I can't wait. Plus, again, since it's a Game Freak title, the music is phenomenal. Like, it has really catchy music. So I'm uh, really curious right now. So yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of another episode of Game Rivals. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thank you guys for also listening during E3 week. Um, we had a blast recording, despite technical challenges on certain ends. <laughs> but uh, we're back together and stronger than ever. And uh, we'll be building from this on out. Um, so hopefully you guys will stick around. Hopefully you keep spreading the word about Game Rivals. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family members, tell other gamers that you know um, about us. Um, and hopefully they'll come and listen to us and enjoy the podcast as well. As always, you can find us on any podcast service that you use. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. You name it, we're probably on it. Um, you can also always find us on Twitter at game underscore rivals underscore. You can find me on at Maximilian on Twitter. You can always send us an email through gamerivalfeedback at gmail.com. You can also always send us a voice message. The link of the where you can leave voice messages is in the podcast description, so please check it out. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Sean Templar, do you have anything else to say to the lovely people out there? 
I just want to thank everybody for listening. And if we talk to people just for giving us feedback, giving us uh, compliments, you know, it's good to hear back from people. That way we know that we're on the right track. So, yeah. Also leave your compliments in the podcast reviews, please. Because those <laughs> help for us for more discoverability as well. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just happy and grateful for the support we're getting. And yeah, we just want to, we have some exciting stuff coming up, so we're going to expand on a lot of stuff and we'll probably be ready to talk about that soon. So stay yeah, tuned. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So this is Maximilian X. And this is Sean Templer. Signing off and wishing you all a very pleasant day.